This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say, what's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by the Riverside Cafe, the perfect place for a pre-match pint. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday week, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Uh, well, I mean, actually, there's, I mean, there's tons of the bloody things now. I, I suppose we're going to have to change that. We're, we're going to, we'll start saying now then, welcome to the original Sheffield Wednesday podcast. We'll go with that. Uh, I'm James. I'm well, your host, um, anchor, as Lord Hillsborough prefers to say, mother for this week's uh, podcast. And uh, with me, she's back after a week on the sidelines. Miss Victoria Wood. Hello, my dear. I like to call you mother. I don't know how I feel about mother. Um, So Sam Hutchinson was missing last week because he had diarrhoea. Similar story for you or...? Uh, that's that's kind of just our cover story, to be honest. Um, uh, we didn't want anyone to know about our trip to Dubai. Um, but yeah, do. obviously diarrhea, Dubai, same thing. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're both we're both home. You know, we're happy. We've had a nice break. Um, it's just good to be back. Uh, and we have a special guest joining us tonight. This is very special because joining us from well, across the pond, a colonial cousin, if you will, uh, from the awesome new Owls Americast. You may know him as the Ohio Owl, but let's just call him Evan. Um, is I mean, it's evening here. Is it like afternoon over there? Yeah, so it's 4.22 exactly uh, p.m. here. So I've, we're five hours behind at the moment. 
Uh, I think we have some daylight savings time coming up that puts us four hours behind, and then right. it switches back quickly. So, you've, so you've, yeah, four twenty-two. You've got actual sunshine right now. Yeah, yeah, we do. A beautiful day here in Ohio. We've got um, well, just darkness. It's the oh, other I've it's, got one of those. I've got one of those new LED streetlights right outside my bedroom window, so it's kind of like sunlight um, and horrific, but at least they turn it off at seven in the morning when you're leaving for work, because that's really handy. So, All I can think of now is that episode of One Foot in the Grave where they've got the, <laughs> the streetlight. It was that, like that. When they yeah. first built it, I was mad. I was so angry, because it is bang outside my bedroom window. It's awful. Uh, now, Evan, obviously you are one of the hosts of the Owls AmeriCast, and we'll talk uh, a bit more about that later on. We'll get to know you a little bit as well for anyone that hasn't heard it yet and, and maybe hasn't kind of come across you yet. But um, first of all, let's talk some football and let's talk about the uh, Derby game last Saturday. Now, first up, there were a few changes for this game. Um, anyone surprised by um, any of the selections for this one? Not particularly. I think it was pretty... Uh, to be honest, I've, I was so disconnected before the match. I just I had it on my phone on the Sky Sports pop-up thing. And I think I read it and went, meh. Oh, I couldn't have told you if it was the same team or not, to be honest. I was that miserable. I don't know. Plus it was raining. I didn't have an umbrella. It was, it was just a bad day all around, really. Well, I mean, woe is Vic. Woe is Vic. Um... I know, well... Glenn Leuven's coming back into the team. It was something that I think, you know, had been at the back of all our minds for a little while. We, we we talked about missing that leadership, that solidity at the back, which has been like our thing, hasn't it? For probably the last three seasons, it's been our thing. Um, and, you know... And wasn't it great to have him back? <laughs> that for, solidity we've been missing. Woohoo! I mean, I, I, I mean, I was so excited before the game because it gave an opportunity for <laughs> all manner of Glenn Leuven's is not dead puns. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- your tweets were brilliant. I think were they literally three minutes apart, weren't they? Of, oh my God, Glenn Leuven's is it dead. Oh, well, uh, great. <laughs> well, you know, nice you know it's, it's interesting from an American standpoint because I wake up at, at 9.45 a.m. and the match starts at, at 10 o'clock. And so I don't have a chance throughout the day to see who's going to be in the club. Uh, I don't see the the the, uh, the lineup reports or anything of the sort. So, uh, you know, it gets to 10 o'clock and I turn it on and there's no commentary. So I have to look closely at the screen to see who's playing <laughs> where. And I saw I saw Leuven's. Uh, it was seriously, it was probably uh, the third minute when I realized that he was on the field. And I said to myself, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And then obviously I... Uh, trips a guy from behind and <laughs> and right at that moment i mean it was it was there were 30 seconds apart from when i realized he was on the pitch to to when i realized he was not <laughs> so uh it was pretty disappointing and and what was your what was your take on it um i know you guys have already talked about it in in your podcast this week um penalty or not penalty red card not red card uh, i think i think penalty was fair i think that uh, I, th- I think it was close enough uh, close enough to the box. I know it has to be in the box. I think it was. Uh, but, if you, again, we talked about the double jeopardy rule a little bit, and it's one that I don't quite understand. And I think I don't understand it because it wasn't necessarily applied to the match. You know, he uh, he brought a guy down, he got the card, but then they got the penalty as well. So, uh, yeah. pretty confusing situation I, I think it, it has to That's be... That's why we're lucky to have um, James here, because he's the, considered the oracle. Considered a genuine attempt to play the ball, 
for it for, for for that rule to apply. I mean, it's a grey area. It's a relatively new thing. It, it did come in uh, last season, didn't it? Um, although you know, it's it's something that we just don't we don't see applied that much. So um, well, you seem to know most of the ins and outs of it, James. To be fair, you're the person that I text as, <laughs> as soon as anything like that happens because you know. Yeah, but if it, if it, I just make it up. You know, I mean, I, I just oh. pretend that I know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So my understanding of it, oh. to summarise it, is if it's a genuine attempt to play the ball. Uh, then the punishment is the is the penalty. It should then be a yellow card. So the referee's got to interpret it that he either thinks, first of all, he thinks he's not going for the ball. He's just going for the man. He's trying to take him down. Or actually, if it's just a mistimed chat, if if it's clumsy, if he's kind of like you know bumped into him, uh, then unfortunately it is it, it's not classed as an attempt to play the ball. Uh, and even though it's actually just you know it's just a bit clumsy. And I think in this situation that's probably the most likely case that the referees just thought well. He just got a little bit too close to him. It was a silly challenge. Therefore, he's 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 got to go. Um, it it I mean, it seemed a bit harsh at the time. We were at the opposite end of the ground. Um, I'd had a few beers, and uh, no surprise that that my view of it was a little a little hazy, a little blurry. Um, but you know, the consensus in the end was that we thought it was a, it was a little bit a little bit harsh. I think. Uh, uh, another uh, kind of summarise this another referee might well have interpreted that differently it wasn't a clear cut red card but you know what he he got the red card um, and then we saw I mean uh, obviously the score of the penalty we saw something a bit strange happen after that because we saw kind of Sheffield Wednesday galvanise um, for the first time in a few games we, we really saw that team kind of roll their sleeves up and say you know what we can still get something out of this yeah, I thought the, the focus of the match definitely shifted and maybe even hopefully moving forward the focus of the season because, um, you know, it definitely seemed like we were sharper on our passes. We uh, we worked a little harder through the midfield and, and generated quite a few scoring chances with a man down. So I'm definitely hoping that, that moving forward, that's that's something we see more of. You know, these, these guys understanding that if they just focus a little more, they can generate more and, and uh, come out on top. Oh, oh, I mean, James. Speaking. In fairness, you had you had nothing negative really to say, did you? Um, no, I, I mean, mean we I, were I, all just listening or seeing yeah. the scores and going, "Oh, bloody hell, bloody rubbish!" But actually, you you were quite positive about this, which is so unlike you, James, to have your rose tinted spectacles on. Um, <laughs> but you, but yet again, you did, my child. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it was there was a lot to be positive about. Um, I think. I mean, you often see it's not unusual to see when a team goes down to ten men. Um, they actually really start playing because I think you know for for a lot of teams when they're the underdog, it, it's when you see that kind of that sort of dogged determination to say you know what we we're, we're going to fight this you know and 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 maybe uh, if if it's a slightly controversial sending off and it becomes for those ten men that are left it becomes a bit of a us against the world situation um, and and they're going to really fight and fight for their lives and you know in in actual fact I mean maybe we'd have played great with Glenn Leuven still on the pitch I don't know. But maybe in the long run, that could be a real positive for us because it, it, it showed us a side to Wednesday that has been sadly lacking for a little while now. Uh, and, you know, we, we haven't really seen. And it was the Wednesday that a lot of fans have been crying out for. It was that, you know, 100% commitment, 100% effort, you know, really kind of giving everything and, and, and really kind of working hard to turn games around, which... The accusation from a lot of fans has been that that that, that hasn't been there. That that energy, that effort, that work rate, that kind of you know fighting and 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 really playing for the badge, playing with the heart. 
that that's what some fans I think has been missing. Well, those situations, like you said, they can go really 50-50, can't they? They can either, you know, heads drop and you give up. Um, I think, like you said, obviously we didn't and we, we tried. Um, and I think probably the fact that it was so early on in the game maybe helped that as well. You know, they'd not actually got into sort of a flow, if you like. They'd not cohesed by that point. So a few minutes in, you know, it does give you the chance to come back and to to give it all. Um, but it does, it always seems to go 50-50. It's either going to be the best thing that's happened to a team or it can all just go to pot and it can be a cricket score. We were kind of in the middle. I think in a way it's a shame that that happened away from home because I think a lot of people like myself, like Lord Hillsborough, like a few others listening, were just looking at the score and actually didn't see the end product as such. We didn't see what was actually happening on the pitch. Whereas I think at a home game, there might not have been as many negative outcome well there's still been a lot let's be honest you could have won 8-0 and there's still be a lot of negative outcomes um but there wouldn't have been as many people moaning because they would have seen that commitment whereas in a way game you know there's only going to be two to three thousand people that see that it's interesting this because this this highlights um a, a slightly odd situation that we have just between the three of us tonight i mean obviously i was at the game and i saw it all in front of me Vic, obviously you are what what is derby 40 miles 50 miles up up the up the the road from the uh, yeah. from the ground listening to it in sheffield evan you're mm-hmm. what like 4000 miles away i i'm kind of guessing there something like that um and and you obviously you you actually get to see the uh, the game over there which is kind of more than what wednesday fans back home what uh, listening to it on the radio get to get to see yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate. I think I've I've watched uh, the number of matches I've watched this year almost equals the total I've watched since 2012 uh, up until this season. So uh, we've been very fortunate. Now people moan about the iFollow uh, quality. You know, it's one camera. There's there's no audio commentary unless you you do some maneuvering, and so you know people complain, but I I feel like we're very uh, we're very fortunate to be able to watch. I'm delighted that we can. Um, it's almost it's almost like watching from from the the roof of Hillsborough though. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty far away the camera and it's really sometimes hard it's to set tell. up in my attic, Evan. That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell what's going on sometimes, but at the end of the day, you know, we're watching the club we love here in America, and, and it's very exciting. Okay, um, it was a game with plenty of incident, and there are there are a ton of things that we could talk about. I'll I'll whisk through a few things then. Um, obviously, we had a few penalty shouts of our own. Um, one particularly, the Stephen Fletcher one, that kind of stands out as being not dissimilar to what happened at the other end of the pitch, which was obviously given as a penalty and a and a red card. Um, where do you stand on it? Do you think it was a penalty? I think maybe it was a penalty, but I think at the same time he's going down a little bit too easy in that situation. Um, and, you know, perhaps if, if he would have tried to strengthen his way to the goal and, and put a shot on the goal, we were more likely to score uh, that way. Uh, it was very disappointing that it wasn't a penalty, obviously. We're trying to, to tie the match and, and get a goal back. But um, I, I'm okay with the referee's decision only because it seemed like he went down far too easily. Is is there a, a a kind of a this is a much bigger issue to kind of get into? But um, when when I hear people talk and, and particularly kind of analysers on TV will kind of say, "Oh, maybe he's gone down a little bit too easily." There, it kind of like you know, football is football. A foul is a foul. You know, whether the man goes down, and I, I kind of feel a bit for for footballers when 
you know, I, I don't do a lot of running in, in my everyday life, but when I've played football, <laughs> what, at whatever, you know, the last time I played five aside in uh, 1980 something, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you're running with a football or you're running after a football, the slightest bit of contact with you, you go absolutely flying. And professional footballers, are, yeah, they're a bit bulkier. They're a little bit more used to it. But, um, you know, sometimes it can be really hard to stop yourself going flying when, when, when someone even kind of just brushes past you. Is it, is it fair of referees to kind of decide they're not going to give something because they think the man's gone down too easily? Because I, I think that's really harsh. Well, I think that uh, it's tough for referees. I think in their, in their situation, they want to make sure that they get everything completely right. And a lot of times they're not correct, uh, especially if you, you follow us on Twitter. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's difficult from their standpoint. If you see a guy go down very easily, sometimes I think you're skeptical. And when you're supposed to make a call on the spot, uh, a lot of times those can be missed just because. And, and I'm no referee. I don't want to act like a referee expert. But I would just imagine that, you know, you're trying to make the call in real time. And when something like that happens, it can kind of throw you off. I think we all secretly think that we could be um, a referee. I don't know if either of you saw this. There was a thing doing the rounds on um, Twitter. It was probably a couple of weeks ago where you could have a go at being a linesman. So the camera was kind of at the side of the pitch um, and you'd see the players running about. And when the ball's played, you've got to decide whether it's onside or offside. Now, we all reckon that we could be a linesman. I think I got every single one of them wrong. It's, oh, I need it's to not, see this. You need to tweet it. It's, honestly, it's worth having a go at because you kind of think, oh, that's dead easy. But try, you're watching the man and the next thing you're like, oh, he's kicked the ball. Oh, well, I wasn't paying any attention. Oh, heck. So you just guess. Um, and I, I got a couple <laughs> oh, of them. Like, oh, was, it <laughs> was yeah. You just see it. I'd, I'd love to hear a linesman at Hillsborough just kind of go, oh, heck, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, play on. Um, all right, ne- next thing I've got written down, and Vic, I know this is something that, that you were um, talking a bit about on, on social media and really trying to find out a bit more information about, and this is, I've called it Reachgate, uh, which uh, is yeah. probably probably overstating what it actually um, actually was. Now, I can it, it happened not far from, from, from where I was, and, and I can kind of you know, tell you the story exactly as it happened, really. Um, Adam well, Reach somebody tweeted him. saying you'd seen it like 100% and you were the witness, but then you just didn't reply to my text, so I didn't know what happened. Uh, sorry, I mean, yeah, I was at Gatecrasher. I was, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, all right, so uh, Adam, Adam Reach uh, has the ball, kind of runs forward a little bit, and then you know does the kind of the 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 thing that that frustrates many Wednesday fans, where he stops, checks back, and plays the easy ball back towards I can't remember who it was, it might have been Bannon, might have been Kieran Lee, towards a, a, a midfield player. So playing it more kind of you know backwards across the pitch rather than running and taking on his man. Now this happens just at the edge of where the uh, the, the Wednesday kind of away end section begins. Clearly some fans kind of shout what are you doing run it run it your man words to that effect i'm sure they were a little bit more colorful than um than that and, and all that happens at this point is adam reach just turns to the fans and kind of throws his arms in the air as if to say what do you expect me to do it wasn't a rude gesture um it wasn't particularly out of order it was a rare thing you don't often see players doing it maybe at all at football but certainly not while the ball's live I mean he's only just played the ball uh, and the, the first thing he does is kind of turn around and, and gesture towards the uh, the fans I believe he's kind of via his dad on Twitter that uh, we know that you know he said that he kind of regrets it and, and, and it was a daft thing to um, to do I, I kind of think it was something and nothing even though it was quite rare 
what what do you reckon, Vic? Because you were you were quite interested in it. Is is there anything in this? Is it just? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'd it's, it's... I'd read that he turned round, stuck up, like flipped the bird at everybody, and told them to yeah. f off. Which you know, apparently you James were a key witness to. The person who said that said, "Well, ask James Marriott; they saw it as well." Um, but uh, you know, if if everything's going to shit at your work, right, and you desperately like, I work in if there's a massive crisis, sort of like when I was in PR, if something's going to absolute like just to shambles and you're doing your best to work it out and you've got 20 people behind you all the time going, what are you doing? At some point you go to around and go, fuck off. Like, I'm trying to do my job. You're not doing it. Like this is, this is my job. And actually like Monday to Friday with the possibility of like Tuesday or Wednesday off, he trains for his job, right? That is like the majority of his job is spent Monday to Friday, a few hours on a pitch at Middlewood Road. The other bit, the key part of his job every single weekend and the odd Tuesday night is to play football. And if you're constantly, constantly getting berated for something that, let's be honest, is tactical, like that's what he's been told to do, I'd imagine. I can't imagine they just do their own thing when they go out there. I think Carlos has a job for a reason. Well, <laughs> that's, that's debatable. But Carlos's role is to give them tactics. So he's following exactly what he's been told to do presumably um and he's getting berated by people that are actually paying to be there you've paid like if you're an away fan you've paid for your train ticket or your petrol you pay for your ticket you pay for your program your pie your beer you know why would you stand there and just berate somebody um so i think actually that i think the nice thing about it is that it's quite a human reaction most people if if you think about your normal working life or even as a parent or whatever, if you constantly had 20 people behind you saying, no matter what you did, it was the wrong option. Because let's be honest, if he'd have run out his man and got tackled or lost the ball or whatever, he'd have got just as much stick. So it's it's kind of 50-50, but he, he did something that most human beings would do. And I think in a way that's for this five million pound golden boy that we constantly hear about, you know, it, it shows that he's a human being as well. And he's just as frustrated as the fans. He's trying to do what he can do. And, you know, I'm glad that he didn't turn around and swear at everyone and tell them what to do. But he threw his arms up, like, big deal, Christ. It's not like he tripped your mum up. Like, he threw his arms up in the air. That's all he did. Evan, what's the uh, American perspective on this? Did, did did you actually see it on the eye? Evan, speak for all of America. <laughs> no pressure. Right, yeah. I missed it. Uh, I didn't see him throw his hands up. Um, but I think Victoria said it best. You know, if he's if he goes at his man and he gets dispossessed and, and uh, you know, Derby take off the other way, or Darby, excuse me, Darby take off the other way and uh, go put one into the back of the net when we're already down a man, then, you know, it's, it's you know, all hell breaks loose. So, you know, he, he was in a tough spot there, and that's probably what prompted him to turn around. You know, he's he's got a job to do. He's got to play some defense, and he's got to make sure we don't concede. Uh, another goal and and he gets rid of the ball and all of a sudden people are going at him and so I I think he while he should be focused on on the pitch I think that uh, it's like Victoria said it's a human reaction and and he was just frustrated we did see a bit as well of the uh, the real ugly side of of football something that uh, no football fan wants to see it, it's been quite well documented in the um, certainly in the press here um, and, and certainly on social media with regards to fans fighting. Um, I, I, obviously, I was I was there. I was quite towards the front, 
Um, there was one point where I became aware of uh, a scuffle uh, among the Wednesday fans, kind of towards the edge of um, the, the the kind of the away fan section, uh, and saw a couple of people dragged out by um, stewards. Certainly saw a couple of kind of punches thrown. Uh, at the time, didn't really take much notice. More bothered about what's going on on the um, on the pitch. But it sounds like from from kind of what's been reported in the in the press and from eyewitnesses that there, there was some other stuff going on that, that that maybe there were some some seats ripped out and 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 thrown uh, possibly even thrown at other Wednesday fans by Wednesday fans um, and some exchange of flares thrown between home fans and away fans. I, I didn't see any of this. I've got to got to confess, but I, I don't pay a lot of attention to to what's kind of going on behind me at at football games Um, it was talked about a bit in the steering group last night um, and and certainly it was confirmed that Derbyshire police are going to be making some arrests as a result of of, of what happened Um, but I mean this is just something that we we don't want to see is it I mean we're we're having a difficult time as a a club um, certainly on the pitch the the last thing that we need is more trouble off the pitch and fans turning on each other benefits no one Irregardless, I think, I'm sorry, if, like you said, you've paid that money to go to the match, you know, you follow, and to get a ticket for Derby, you know, you've got to have gone to a lot away games, you've got to have built up your points and whatever else. But I'm sorry, if you get caught doing that, I don't want you in the ground when I'm there. I don't, like, and if I had children that I was taking to that match, I wouldn't want you there. I think every club has this, like, horrible, like, venomous part to it that just, you know, if they get caught, ban them. That's, at the end of the day, we don't, they don't need it there you know nobody wants trouble inside the ground I've always said if you're a hooligan James and you want to have a fight and you want to meet up with away fans after and you know you're all texting you've got those stupid coats on with little eye holes in all that crap if you want to do it go and find a field I don't care go and kill each other for all I care I'm not bothered but stay away from the football ground that I go to with my family and that people go to with their children there's no need for it you're there to watch a match there's 90 minutes that you have to behave like an adult like a human being and not throw punches around not rip seats up not set off bloody flares are the most annoying thing they don't look big they look stupid they're like a shit firework they're like one of those bath bombs from lush but in the air they're just ridiculous and it just it just makes a mockery of everything that football's about and, you know, I don't know who these people are. Like, do they really think they look like Danny Dyer, like romping about in the stand? No, he's just like a pillock. So piss off and go and watch someone else. Or better still, go and watch tennis. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. I think the uh, the general perception of, of football fans in America is is that they're these big, big brawly hooligans who, who love to get in and scraps with, with the opposing team's fans. But um, I think once once our own supporters start fighting each other uh then we have we have completely new issues to face i think that uh some people just view a, a mid-table standing in in november as, or i guess we're still in october as the end of the world and uh you know, when you start fighting amongst yourselves uh there's some 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 huge issues within the club and i hope that gets sorted very quickly yeah, absolutely, and um, it, it's quite interesting to hear a perspective on it from um, uh, from from you know a different a different country where the the culture of sport is is so different. And I think that you know for the vast majority of football fans here, it's something that 
you know, we 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 don't want to see. Um, as I say, it was touched on in the the steering group last night. They did mention as well, and I'm going to mention this now. Uh, that certainly at home matches, there is a tech service. If there's someone uh, sat near you that you feel is acting inappropriately, um, then there is a, a text number that's in the program that you can can text. And what they don't do is send stewards in to kind of go and challenge them. What they'll do is the the they turn the CCTV cameras. They can watch what this person's doing. It then allows them to collect some evidence and if they're doing something that's really out of order then not only do they go and chuck them out of the ground but they've then got evidence to be able to ban them from from future games as well so um you know it's worth mentioning that as as something that you know if you've got someone near you that that is playing up then um you can kind of do something about it um that i guess that's kind of it in terms of um in terms of of, of derby the only other thing that i want to say about it and, and and you guys might agree with this which is you know we, we've had this kind of for the last couple of weeks this carlos in or out thing going on um, for, for anyone whichever side of that fence that, that you're on and, and maybe people that have been kind of teetering on that fence not quite sure what they feel about it um, this was a game that kind of was sort of irrelevant you know this is not going to sway you one way or the other is it because of the fact that you know it was kind of game over after four minutes although we saw some some real positive stuff after um, after that but this this was a game that, that doesn't really affect um, either side of that argument, does it? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that you know, when you go down to 10 men that early, the, the whole the whole match changes and uh, you're not really expected to win. And I think, yeah, we gave up a goal later on, but I think it's it's tough to evaluate a match like this. And I think I, I didn't personally see shouts either way, Carlos in or out after the match. And I think that's probably the, the overall feeling of, of the club, uh, of the of the support, excuse me. Good stuff. All right, um, we'll we'll move on then from uh, Derby and to a much less controversial subject for us to talk about: the new shirts, which have finally arrived, and um, we're a little bit late to the um, to the party in terms of talking about this because it's uh, it's nearly a week now, kind of since the uh, the announcement about the shirts coming out, and of course about the the pricing of it. It's been talked about a lot. Um, I guess I, I'm just going to give you guys the, the chance to kind of put your opinion forward. Vic, I know that you were pretty vocal on Friday about it. Where, where do you stand about it now? What do you think about the, um, well, the, the, the pricing structure? I, 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 are you buying a shirt? I'm bloody not, no. I'm bloody expensive. Plus, looking at the sizing, Jesus Christ, I don't think I've got enough X's to fit in a shirt. It's like, have you seen the sizing on them? People who last year bought an XL, this year are in a 4XL shirt. Like that, uh, uh, that this, for a start, is just a joke. Um, this this, this but, was addressed at the steering group last night. Joe Palmer said they are standard UK sizes. Nah, bollocks. Bollocks to you. Go and do some Tesco sizing, right, Joe? Right, listen to me. I am more likely to buy a pair of jeans from Tesco because I guarantee I'll be a size smaller than I will be in a pair of jeans from Topshop, for example. So pay attention, Joe. More people like to think that they're thinner than they are. So put them out big sizes. Make an XL the size of a tent. I'll I'll buy an extra small. I'll be happy. Like I'll buy 10 if I can get an extra small. And I'll do that thing where I leave the label stuck out the back so people can go, oh, your label's showing. I'll be like, I know. Yeah, extra small, size eight. But regardless, right, it's still, it's a bloody expensive kit, isn't it? Um, I think with it, the next, the most expensive kit in the UK is Manchester City, I believe, which is £60. So we're a pound cheaper. That Come on, like, 
Ugh, it's just it's a joke and when you work out like the the sort of the payroll in shield as well um i know a lot of people you could argue have been able to save for an extra three months or whatever but payroll in sheffield the majority of people when you look at it get paid either middle or end of the month and if they've already spent up for this month that screwed them over for buying it at the end of october so therefore they're going to miss the deadline and have to pay a ten or more just by the fact that they haven't got paid in time and you know, I, I think that things like that are so far out of Mr. Chancery's sort of mind. He he doesn't consider that, you know, a normal Sheffield person might only have 40 quid to last them the end of the month till payday, might have to, like, eat jacket potatoes for the next three days until payday. It just doesn't seem to cross people's minds. And sadly, that's the, you know, that's the fact of life. And we're in a working class city that people live not hand to mouth, but you know, it gets to the end of the month and things are tight. Um, so for me personally, like October the 31st, I get paid and then I don't get paid again until the end of November, by which point is like the last day to go and get a shirt. I work nine to five. So the club shop helpfully closes at five o'clock, opens at nine. Brilliant. I've got no chance of getting there on that payday. So I'm not paying extra tenner. I'm not being punished for the fact that I work full time and I can't get there. It's just, no, no. Um, but on the on the plus side, um, I know a lot of people have complained about stripes, lack of stripes and whatever else, and then obviously the cost. Um, if you want to head over to our own podcast shop, which is www.temill.co.uk, you can buy a beautiful striped shirt that um, I drew on Microsoft Paint um, that says, my shirt costs less than yours and it has stripes, and that's £20, and it's on organic cotton. So beat that. Joe Palmer. There we go. Work of How art. much for Work international shipping, though? I don't think it's that much, actually. I'm pretty sure they're based in America, so it's probably a lot cheaper for you, Evan, to be oh, fair. Right. Yeah, excellent. Evan, Evan, what is the... Um, what's the kind of thought on, on this among, um, you know, kind of fans that you talk to over there? Because, um, you know, obviously, sport is a huge thing in America. What What's kind of pricing like over there for buying kind of official kind of club merchandise for either, you know, MLS or, or for any other sport there? Yeah, it, it's been extremely difficult uh, personally for me uh, to purchase things from the team shop because, the first of all, the international shipping is, oh, I don't know, 25 30 american or u.s dollars which uh, it's a little less i think in uh whatever you guys pay in uh, i'm sorry i forget uh what, what currency do you go by not you use good right? good old good old pounds good old sterling good old pounds yeah there you go so um yeah it's it's very expensive to get things from over there and my wife and i we, we usually wait and and just do one purchase per year and so, you know, the, the kit delay has kind of pushed things back. And, and I, I like to buy more training top type uh, type items. I like the sweatshirts and the longer sleeve things because it gets pretty cold here during the winter. So um, I think Patty said, Patty, you know, from, from Owls of America's New York Owls, I think he said he paid somewhere in the 90s uh, U.S. dollars for his shirt to come over. It had the uh, Skybet Championship patch on it as well. Uh, and he he paid just under one hundred dollars to to get that over here. So it, it's quite expensive, but at the same time it, we're we're happy at least that the the kits are released. And I think the general feeling is, you know, we're just excited. We expect to pay a lot of money anyway, and so a lot of people over here have already ordered. Whether you're celebrating a birthday. 
a wedding or anniversary. Maybe you've passed your driving test or you've landed a new job. Well, whatever your reason for a party, the Riverside Cafe is the perfect location on Catch Bar Lane overlooking Hillsborough Stadium. To inquire about hiring us for your function, call 07989 856 054 or 0114 232 6121. Okay, Evan, um, let's, we'll talk Owls Americas and Owls Americast in, um, in a minute, but. For anyone that didn't catch the the pilot episode of your uh, podcast, I I love this. Will you tell us the story of how you came to be a Wednesdayite? Right. Okay. Uh, so basically, when I was when I was young, as as far back as I can remember, my my grandmother read me a book about owls or about an owl. I I'm not quite sure. I I still don't know the title of the book, and and my grandmother can't remember either. And so can't tell you which book it was, but anyway, that book made me fascinated with owls. Uh, and I just, I loved owls. Anytime I saw a stuffed owl out and about, I'd beg my mother or father to, to buy that for me. And uh, I just had a collection of, of owl, owls merchandise. And so it was probably in, in 98, 99, maybe 2000 when I was playing a FIFA and I can't remember, it could have been 90. I, th- I want to say it was FIFA 98 is what I was playing, and I stumbled across the Owls, uh, the, the Sheffield Wednesday Owls um, crest while I was scrolling through teams, and I thought, my gosh, I'm going to play with this one. I love Owls. And just uh, kind of grew an affinity for Sheffield Wednesday way back then. And then as I got older, I think I stopped playing FIFA for a while, and I had never really followed the actual club, and I kind of fell out of of any sort of fandom. And then once I got into high school, I I started catching some some scores. But by that time, they were down, I think, in League One by the time I jumped back into things. And it was a struggling club, but I just caught some scores here and there. And uh, then I was on a trip to Iceland, um, 2000. 12. I think it was May 2012 or earlier 2012, and uh, I was sat in a pub in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland, and started chatting with this guy next to me, and he was actually from Sheffield. He was a pharmaceutical representative of some sort, and um, I was just chatting with him about football in general, and and uh, he told me he was from Sheffield, and I recalled, you know, being a Wednesday fan, and I asked him if he was. He was, or excuse me, he said he was, and we. Uh, he introduced me to iFollow, and that was the year that they that Wednesday were uh, promoted from League One to the Championship. Uh, so it was either 11 or 12. One of you, I'm sure, remember a little bit better than I do. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I, I I think it was I think it was 12. Although I'm I'm kind of struggling to remember myself now. Yeah, yeah. Either way, um, once I once I was introduced to iFollow, I just dove straight into it, listened to every match I could, which was most matches. And uh, the beginning, so I, I caught the, the tail end of 2012, which is where we were promoted, of course. And then the beginning of 2012-2013 season in the championship was actually extremely exciting for, for a new fan. Uh, because we scored, I think, the first three matches, we scored the go-ahead goal, game-winning goal in the last, I don't know, five minutes or so. And so I think Jermaine Johnson was one of them. Rita Johnson might have been one of them. 
and I'm struggling to remember the third, but uh, they were really exciting matches, and, and I just I was absolutely in love and infatuated with the club, and uh, since 2012, I've been uh, a strong supporter. You know, I, I liked Sheffield Wednesday before then, but uh, that's that's my story. I think. It's Have you ever been story. over, Evan? <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't. Actually, the only time I've ever even been out of the country was that Iceland trip. Um, so the closest I've been is is. Is it an intention one day? Are you planning on coming to a game or? Yeah, one hundred percent. I've been. I've. I'm recently married. I'm just. I've just finished my first year of marriage, and so. Um... <laughs> you make it sound like a sentence. I've just finished my first year of marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Survived. But but I mean that's that's kind of what it is, you know. My wife and I were still trying to get on our feet, and uh, we're happily married. But there's definitely some financial figuring out to do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, once we get set, yeah, definitely. You know, the first trip I want to take out of the United States is over to England, and, and definitely got to stop by Hillsborough. We've we've talked a bit about. I... Sorry, sorry. I, I just was going to say that I firmly believe that I will shed tears the first time I see it and, and walk inside. Um, in fact, just, just thinking about it, I, uh, I get a little worked up. So uh, I, can't, I can't wait for that trip. It will be a special moment. It is one of those things. I think everyone's saying the first time that you, you know, kind of climb those stairs uh, and find yourself in the ground, it is something that, that kind of stays with you um, stays with you forever. Um, Could you get a friend, Evan, to like carry you up the stairs? You know, like that little boy. Was it last season or the season before? He was yeah. about three and he got his first view of Hillsborough. If you could get like Paddy to carry you up the stairs and then turn you around and just have this little sobbing face, that'd just be epic. You would go yeah. viral. <laughs> Paddy, Paddy has to start working out his legs now. For that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that'd be excellent. Is that is that down to uh, too much liquid cheese on your breakfast? That's, uh, <laughs> that would be... Yeah, uh, so- <laughs> I actually had a, an omelette with cheese on it this morning, and I sent that picture over to uh, to <laughs> Al's talk and haven't heard anything back yet. So who knows they will what's be going on over there. delighted. They will be delighted. Um, now we, we've talked a bit on um, on the Wednesday week before about Al's Americas when when that kind of became a thing during the um, the, the the summer. Um, obviously, that's kind of you know, changed a little bit now and, and turned into Al's Americast. For anyone that that doesn't kind of know, just give us yeah, I, I guess a fairly brief summary really of Al's Americas, what it's about, what it what it does, and and, and what your your new kind of podcast is all about. Yeah, so so we started Owls Americas this summer. I, I reached out to Patty, who I was I was very fond of for for New York Owls. Uh, he's kind of been the the voice of of the Owls here in America for as long as I've been following. So uh, I reached out to him and just offered my services. I'm I own a small digital marketing company here and, and thought we could create a website, create something cool. And he put together a team from uh, a couple guys from New York or, or New Jersey and. Um, it just kind of took off. So, so the mission is forging a community inspired by Sheffield Wednesday across the American continent. Um, and what that means for us, you know, it's important to us to connect supporters across the Americas to, to create new branches and give some folks or, or other people to, or give some, some supporters, other people to hang out with and watch the matches. I know I watch by myself or, or sometimes my wife if they're, if she's awake on a Saturday morning, but, uh, I'd love for some other company and that's kind of what our mission is here. And, uh, beyond that, though, you know, while we're fostering the American Wednesday community, we, we really want to be able to build it up and extend it. So we're really hoping that the, I guess I'll call it the Wednesday web we've created in the, the Americas will serve as a warm place to to welcome new fans where they can feel like they're a part of something bigger than just simply watching by themselves. 
Uh, and then, you know, we, we created this podcast. It was kind of an idea from the start of Owls Americas, but uh, we brought Jeff in, and, and Jeff does a fantastic job. Um, it, and he's he just produces and offered his, his skills up there. And that's uh, just a way for us, or another way for us to connect with people uh, here and over in, in England. I've got to say, for for me as a, a listener, and I, um, you know, J- James Allen, who's obviously one of your your regular guests on the uh, the podcast, he sent me a, a link to listen to the first one, um, and just the experience of, of of hearing people with American accents talking about the stuff that you know me and Vic sit and talk about with our, you know, I, I probably not broad uh, Yorkshire accents, but you know, still 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 there, um, you know, hearing people talk about the the same stuff, hearing you know you guys talking about. Um, Adam Reach, Gary Hooper, you know, all, all the same stuff. It's just, it's it's such a kind of a surreal but amazing experience. And I think, you know, anyone that's listening that maybe thinks, oh, well, you know, that's, it's kind of a podcast for uh, uh, Americans. It's not, it's not for me to listen to, you know, forget that idea. It is, it is really worth you um, listening. Uh, obviously, I've listened to episode three this, this week I've listened to. Um, and just just tell us a bit about your 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 guest that you had on this week because there was an amazing story of um you know where where he lives the time that he consumes the games and what he does after the games which was just brilliant yeah so so neil lives over in southern california and and it's known amongst all americans that san diego where where neil schaefer is from he was our guest this week um he everyone knows that san diego has the best weather from the beginning of the year to the end uh, of all places in the United States. And so um, I say that he's very, very lucky to live in San Diego. But at the same time, San Diego is three hours behind our East Coast time. So he would be eight hours behind Sheffield. Okay, so if a match starts at noon in Sheffield, then, you know, you subtract eight hours from that. And I'm terrible at math. So, you know, it's early in the morning here uh, if, if you have a match that starts at 10 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, that'd be, I believe, a 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. start for you. Um, 10 a.m. here is is five hours behind, so 5 a.m. where Neil's from. So what he said he does is, is he gets up and uh, he'll watch the match and then win or lose, he just runs over to the beach, which is really close to him, and sits in, in enjoyable weather and uh, just kind of relaxes. And so he's, he's a little less... Um, uh, a little less negative than most fans uh, because he's got such a, a great setup out there in San Diego. So it's really good to have him on the show and, and hear his perspective because all of us are out here on the east side of the United States. It, it is, um, you know, it, it really is worth listening to. It's a, a brilliant chat and um, there's some brilliant symmetry with kind of like what the equivalent for us coming out of Hillsborough would, would kind of have to do to kind of recreate how, how you know, kind of what he does after a game. So, yeah, I'd really encourage anyone to um, to give that a list if you haven't done them um, already. It really is worth um, giving a listen to. Um, any, anyone that, that you know, hasn't listened to it yet, um, how do they kind of go about getting it on their iDevice or whatever it might be? Yeah, so we're available on just about every podcast platform I know of. Uh, We're in the Google Play Store. We're on uh, iTunes as well. You can get us on the podcast app on on Apple. Uh, We also have a SoundCloud. You can go to our website, owlsamericas.com, and there's a a link just – or there's a whole page dedicated to the podcast where you can find uh, the SoundCloud file as well. So uh, really anywhere you find podcasts, you should be able to find us. Just search Owls Americast. 
Brilliant. Now, that that was a nice kind of positive interlude before we reach the subject of last night's steering group. Um, Now, anyone that doesn't know the background to this, so the steering group is um, a collection of kind of representatives of fan groups that comes together with the chairman, other kind of leading people from the the kind of behind the scenes, the business side of the uh, football club, get together every two or three months or so um, and and just kind of really chat about and, and, and the opportunity to ask questions about what's going on um you you've probably already seen a lot about this during the rounds on social media there was a bit in the uh in the star earlier today as well um about some of the stuff that that kind of came out from that um i was there and 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 what i was kind of planning on doing at this point which i think is what i did last time is just kind of whiz through my kind of notes about the main things that came out of the meeting so uh, Vic, Evan, if at any point there's something that I kind of touch on that you think, oh, I want to know more about that, um, just you know, give me a give me a nudge, give me a shout at the end, and we can chat a bit more about it. But um, I'll whiz through the stuff that was of significance. So I think probably the biggest thing and and the the most important thing was um, the the chairman, you know, very clearly, unequivocally unequivocally I can't say that word giving his backing to uh, Carlos as our head coach and his 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 words were you know I am 100% behind Carlos and then he said uh, a little bit later when he came back to it he said I'm 200% behind uh, Carlos which um, kind of means that either I mean he is genuinely behind this guy or it means he's going to sack him on Monday. You know, that that is either it's the dreaded vote of confidence or here is a guy who, and we've seen evidence of this, genuinely believes in what in what Carlos is doing um, and is going to back him, you know, to, to the hills, really. Um, the shirt was talked about a lot. Uh, the reasons for the delay, the lessons that were learned, um, the designs for next season are being finalized that was how it was described they said a different manufacturer will be used for next season's shirts joe palmer said that the uh, the design and the quality of the shirts that they're looking at his words were i think it's the best shirt that the club will ever have had um he they wouldn't be drawn on whether or not it'll have stripes a few people asked they didn't give anything away on that one in terms of the current shirts by the way away kit they have got some in stock they're waiting on some more because if they put them out now they'll sell out in 10 minutes so they're waiting on more deliveries so the away kit is pretty is pretty close the idea with the third kit the the kind of the special anniversary kit which was uh, designed by a fan the idea is that will be out in early november around the time that the team wear it for the first time which is the game against villa on the 4th of november it's worth mentioning by the way joe palmer said that um record sales of this shirt already uh in the um in the opening week wasn't it sorry was wasn't the record sales 1700 in a day as opposed to 1500 though it wasn't like oh my god you can't fit in the shops of so many people. It's like every year we have record well, yeah, sales but, of something, I mean, don't we? But it's either record sales or it's not, isn't it? I mean, whether or not it's yeah. two people more than last time or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I predicted, I said, there's no way they'll get record sales for this one. Uh, and I was completely wrong. They, they, they I just, I'm, so I'm yet I, to I see us sell something. I'm yet to see us sell something, be it a pie at halftime or a pint or like one of those shitty key rings that does not achieve record sales. It's like it's almost become like a like a, a nothing thing now. Just stop saying it. Yeah, but it is either a record or it's not. Well, 
But it is. I mean, that's that's the maths of it, isn't it? Unless you know, the, unless there's someone fiddling some figures to make it look like that, it either sold more than last year or it didn't. And last year sold more than any other. So you know, I think it is birthday season as well, isn't it? They caught it. They caught it the right that's time. The case. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, some other quick headlines <laughs> then. There was a lot of financial fair play talk and this is really big on um, on DC's radar at the moment. He, he, he said his words were, not many people have signed up for Club 1867. He's looking at other ideas to kind of bring uh, revenue into the club, which counts against financial fair play. He did say uh, stadium naming is a possibility. Um, Joe Palmer talks about the fact the going rate for that is around about £600,000, £700,000 per season. He also said there is a, a kind of a system in place. You can't just, you know, uh, Mr Chancery could not sponsor it and charge himself £5 million a year. You're only allowed to pay what is classed as the going rate, um, which is, you know, they need more than that really coming in in terms of financial fair play. Um, no surprise that, you know, DC talks about wanting to get supporters behind the team sticking together. He was uh, very scathing of this minority who think that it's all right to abuse his, his family on social media. I mean, we don't really need to comment on that because it goes without saying that that is ridiculous and anyone that does that is an idiot um he also talks as well about you know condemning the players getting on the players back isn't helpful he called on the you know the supporters to to kind of really get behind them update on the stadium situation the capacity as it stands right now 34,234 um, there is a new guy at the uh, in the SAG group apparently and this is very promising he seems more receptive to some of the ideas of uh, uh, that the club wants to do so they're looking at new segregation and this this is something we might see quite soon actually they're looking at new segregation in the northwest corner so like a new fence that goes up in that kind of section of seats that's that's never been used for many years and never will be again uh, which would mean that that row of seats that kind of that end block the white seats at the end of the north stand that they're not allowed to use they hopefully will come back into use soon they're also looking at changes on the cop which will bring another 1200 seats back into use so hopefully that capacity as it stands will go up here's the thing as well apparently we now have sign off on being allowed to have people behind the goal waving flags so if you think about what happens when Arsenal score and the people wave the flags around we've got the sign off to do that I don't know if we've got the people to do it but we've certainly got the uh, permission to do it they're also trying uh, to have another go at getting permission to have they're called walkers this is people that kind of walk around the stand while the game is in play selling refreshments your chance to kind of buy a chocolate bar or whatever with programs two pounds any of the game oh. yeah that kind of thing but actually selling refreshments they did do it I think for one game and were then told you, you're not allowed to do it anymore uh, it looks like they're, they're going down that route again and they're quite hopeful that they'll be able to um, to, to do that again soon um, I'm saying I'm going to whiz through this and there's still loads of stuff so this is quick fire um, transfer procedure the coach identifies the position that he wants to strengthen uh, he passes that on to the chairman who then talks to his advisors about identifying targets it was confirmed Doyen Sports are one of his advisors one of a few uh, it sounds like his son is also one of his transfer advisors which is a little strange um, they are looking at repainting the roof of the West Stand uh, which you'll probably know as Leppings Lane actually probably still known by some 
some people is the Presto stand because it says it on the top of it. They are looking at painting that to get rid of it. It's going to cost a fortune. It costs about 60 grand because the amount of scaffolding that's involved in order to repaint the roof of that stand. So it's not a huge priority right now. They're looking at other options about how they could do it a bit cheaper as well. Alistair, who's the ticket office manager, he lets slip that we have around 21,000 season ticket holders this season. And I don't think he was supposed to do this and the chairman didn't look very happy with him for mentioning that, but he did. So there you go. Um, ticket prices, they're not going to budge. If you think ticket prices are going to go down, forget it. He said that last season they did some games at a cheaper price. Attendance was the same. And uh, Joe Palmer confirmed that they do make more money from ticket sales now to how it used to be before the ticket prices went up. So the idea of bring them down, get more people in, make more money, they kind of ruled it out. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, update on catering sales are up this season with the new stuff that they've put in place they've had some good feedback as well particularly from me about Thornbridge beer well done guys like it um, they've got some new faster beer machines that are being installed in the south which mean that they can pour a pint I think it's something like 8 seconds faster than they currently can um, it won't be happening in the north anytime soon or in the cop because the fact the kiosks are so small because the stands are quite old uh, we will though soon be getting curry available in the north stand which is quite exciting um, he explained that they're a little bit limited in terms of what they can do in the north just because of the space. You know, they haven't got room to have kind of big cooking machines and whatnot. So we're not going to be getting the same stuff that they've got in the south, but there will be some improvements to catering in the north coming soon. The dream scene picture, uh, the future prints of that will have the correct ordering of the players at the bottom. The advertising <laughs> boards around the ground, they were turned too bright for the last night match that we had because the night match we had before that was still when it was quite light during the evening they didn't turn them down so the people that sit low down on the cop that couldn't see what was happening at the other end of the pitch they couldn't see the ball because of the screen brightness that will be resolved for the Millwall match um, Evan you might be interested in this one I follow they are monitoring its success they said that there is an option for them to add extra cameras to add replays to add commentary if they feel it's something that is um, is going to be successful so there's a bit of hope there for, for you guys that I know that are quite reliant on that and at the moment it is just one camera and, and you don't get the commentary with it. That's something that may that may follow at, at some point. Two more quick things. Uh, they've had 400 questions that have been sent to the chairman as part of this thing that he's doing. Uh, it was pointed out that about 80% of them are actually asking the same question. He's going to be answering those in the next few days. So I think I think that's going on the website. I don't know if he's just going to email directly to people to answer their questions. I'm not sure, but keep an eye out for, uh, for that. And finally, I wanted to mention something that we don't mention on here very much, which is the Community Foundation. This was brought up um, and it was kind of like, you know, about it's a positive story and we haven't had that, that that many of them recently because the Community Foundation are doing loads of stuff. They've got their own website now so they can publicise what they're doing. So, you know, check out that and have a look at what the Community Foundation are up to. They've got degree status now with Hallam University. Apparently, we're the only club in the country to have apprenticeship status. So there's lots of good news stories there. So if you need a bit of cheering up, some positive Wednesday stuff, have a look at the Community Foundation website. I need to have a bit of a uh, take a bit of a breath there because that was a lot of stuff. Um, anything in there or anything else that you guys have seen about the um, the steering group that you wanted to kind of bring up or say anything about? Um, nothing really struck me as sort of nothing blew me away with what was said. To be honest, I think the the Carlos situation with the fact that he's saying he's one hundred percent backing him. Um, I could have told you that he was going to say that before. Uh, it wasn't surprising. Um, I see it. I do see it as positive. You know, it's nice to have a chairman that believes in a manager. And I think had we have had 
probably one of the other chairmen in the championship by now, Carlos probably still wouldn't be in a job. And whether that's to our detriment or not, we'll see. Um, but I do admire his sort of commitment to that, um, which I didn't think we would get with Mr. Chancery. I'm going to be honest, I didn't think he'd be that kind of guy, but he obviously is. Um, other than that, really, nothing was too groundbreaking, was it? Apart from the fact that he held hands up and said that the shitty plaques for a year didn't work. Um other than that, you know, I'll sell Sharpies for a fiver and give it money and you can write your own name on your seat. That yeah, is. I, I, uh, I'll quickly comment on iFollow. Um, you know, I already mentioned how excited and delighted I am to be able to see matches, every match this season. And uh, that's great for me. And I think that if increasing the quality of iFollow is, is going to cost the club more money, I believe it would. Um, I just say forget it and focus on more important issues. I hope everyone can understand uh, how lucky we are this season to be able to watch every match and just be content with what we have. Uh, and if if we can continue to do that, I'm I'm okay with keeping our follow the same. Absolutely. Now, um, due due to our time difference, Evan, I know you've you've got to uh, you've got to make a move pretty soon um, as we always do we've talked way more than we thought we were going to do this we thought we'd be uh, done and, and whatever in time so me and Vic will chat a bit about the games that are coming up but I know you've got to get off so um, just you know to kind of finalise if anyone wants to find out more about well either you or Al's Americas or Al's Americast just you know give us some contact details yeah sure thing so for for owls americas just visit us uh, on the website it's www.owlsamericas.com we're on twitter as well at owls america uh sorry at owls americas and then me personally i'm on twitter at ohio owl so that's o-h-i-o-o-w-l-s no s so ohio owl uh you'll find me there so i appreciate you guys having me on it was a lot of fun and i just want to mention that you know the, the wednesday week was the the first really the first Wednesday media that I really picked up and started listening to so uh to to be a guest on the show at this point is is quite uh, quite an honor for me uh, James I know you don't like it when I get sentimental so uh, I'll stop there <laughs> but again th- thanks a lot for having me guys er, oh thank you <laughs> you'll have that on a t-shirt soon you do realize that don't you <laughs> yeah good stuff good stuff it's, All right. it's been a pleasure Evan thank you very much Right, Vic, it's just me and you. Uh, we've got a couple of games to talk about. Uh, that I mean, that was underplaying it. I say we've got a couple of games to talk about. How important are these two games? We've got Barnsley at home. We've got Millwall at home. All due respect to Barnsley and to Millwall, but uh, this is, you know, six points or disaster, isn't it? It's got to be, hasn't it? Um, I'm going to be at the Barnsley game. Um, sadly, I'm in London for the Millwall game, um, so... Uh, do you know where I'm staying as well? Oh, James, I'm staying on Wembley Way. So it's just oh. going to be awful. It's going to be the first time back and whatever else. Oh. But anyway, Saturday first. Um, what a treat to kick off early on a Saturday. I've missed that. <laughs> um, uh, roll on 3pm on a Saturday one day, I swear to God. It'd be so nice just to go back to normal. But yeah, it's a nice early one. Um, I, It could go either way, couldn't it? I think I'm kind of a bit... I don't know. It's... I think before before the steering group and before Chan Series comments, it kind of felt like it was make or break for Mr. Uh, Carvalho again. Um, but now it appears that it isn't. So it kind of feels like that's taken a bit of the pressure off in a way, and it shouldn't do. Um, but I do think everyone's going to be up for it. I hope the crowd are just as up for it. I think Barnsley 
are there for the taking, but I think any of their fans will tell you that we are big time. Um, I think they'll see this as quite a, they'll be feeling a lot more positive about it than we will, um, given the last few results, given the derby match that we lost. Um, I think they'll be very, very up for it. Um, have they sold out? I presume they have. No. About, about no. 1,600. Well, it's probably about like 80 odd pound a ticket, isn't it? So Yeah. Um, but, you know, they'll they'll be there. Is it is it on Sky? No. No, so it's just, just early because of trouble, I guess. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's... Mm, it's it's mega important, overly... isn't it? It's it's a really it important, is important game because um, you know we we uh, as it stands right now, I think Barnsley are four points behind us mm-hmm. in 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 the table, and um, you know if if we don't get three points from that game, we we have to start genuinely looking over our shoulders. And you know, I'm not saying that I can really see us being pulled into um, a kind of a bottom and end of the table situation uh, but the problem is that the recovery has to start somewhere and you'd look at it on paper and you'd say Barnsley and Millwall are the two games that it's really got us if it doesn't start here it's very difficult to see you know after that you've got Aston Villa away is it going to start at Aston Villa you know it becomes difficult to see at what point does does this start and you know what we don't want to do is pile you know loads of pressure on the team I, I think the pressure is going to be there whatever now you talked about um is it make or break for 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 carlos and you know what 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 chancery said this this week said yesterday kind of puts a bit of an end to um to that debate mm. i think that's a great thing and and i've been uh you know one of the um maybe inadvertently one of the loudest shouters of of, of kind of the it's time for a, a change side of of this but what we've got now is you know we, we we've got a decision we've got a call we we know now Carlos is staying as our manager whether you like it or not doesn't matter you know he's staying yeah. so now our job becomes as fans we get behind them we get behind Carlos we get behind the players we go there and we support and we do what we can to um you know to help that team turn things around because you know we are all in this together there's no point us fighting anymore it's, it's not going anywhere certainly mm-hmm. not in the foreseeable future it's not going anywhere so you know this is my lord hillsborough style impassioned plea <laughs> that you know for, for for me who you know being on the tv and all over the place saying it's time for a change no, doesn't worry. matter anymore it doesn't matter anymore um that becomes irrelevant now it's about us getting behind the team and it's about us doing our little bit to get six points from the next however many it is four days five days whatever it works out at because it's so important that we um, it's so important that we get those um, that we get those that we get those points um, it is and- as well and it'd be nice to get those three points under our belt because I think at the moment where we are in the table it's one of those where three points we don't jump ten places you know it makes realistically until the few more come in it doesn't move us particularly in big chunks um and i think once those few games come in and those few wins come in and it means those three points could mean the difference between seventh and fourth that's when people will start getting super super excited about points again and like wanting you know it's at the moment there's kind of like almost like an apathy around everything that you know we're, we're kind of stuck in it's like a bit in the mud really and until those points start coming in people don't really feel like there's anything to get excited for which is kind of chicken and egg isn't it but I do think that once you know once the points start building and we do start to see climbing up the table if we do then that surely is going to spark people even more 
Because the table does make a difference to people. I know it's before Christmas. Yeah, it does about before Christmas. But yeah, you're right. It's really right. And, and, and you know, <laughs> we need to be, uh, well, not where we are now in the table. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And that means winning games and getting points. So, uh, you know, roll on Saturday. I'm, I'm actually, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I think that this could be the point that we start to turn turn things around. And, um, you know, I, I just want to go and enjoy a game of football, to be honest. Um, yeah. A couple of quick things from me then before we uh, wrap up. Um, you know, we mentioned last week about... Um, the I mentioned the guy from from um, the guy called Mike who runs so runs a website and some social media that's kind of related to Dutch football. He was going to meet uh, Joost van Aken. Uh, there is uh, that interview is now uh, available. You can see it on YouTube. If you want to find a link to it, go to our Twitter page at TWWcast, uh, and we retweeted that link. It's actually a really good interview and really interesting to kind of get a bit of a feel for for for, for what kind of a guy JVA is, and um, to kind of you know you you get this idea of the fact that he's a really uh, mature, very. Uh, considered guy and you just get the feeling actually that you know he could well be a leader of the future you know he could be something quite quite special actually um so it's well worth having a look at that the other thing i've got to give a plug for um anyone that's that's ever caught the sheffield live tv show that alan biggs presents he uh, he had to scrape the barrel i'm afraid tonight uh, and i was his sheffield wednesday guest so it is uh, on his youtube page i believe now uh, but i will post some links to that so if you want to have um a, a look and a bit of a laugh a bit of a giggle at me and my receding hairline um then uh, feel free and um, have a gander at that vic any bits from you uh, I've just got one little bit. Um, my tweet of the week actually came from a blade, but it really, really made me chuckle. So at Tom Air seventy eight tweeted, um, Kieran Westwood is out for eight weeks after throwing his shirt to the fans. He's not in. He's just going to wait another eight weeks for a new top. And that absolutely, <laughs> it was just before the shirts were announced. It just really, really put. You know, it was a really crappy day after losing to Derby, and I thought, you know what? If you can't laugh at yourself, you'll just cry. So I found that one quite amusing. Brilliant. That is that is pretty good. Um, if people want to get hold of you on the social media, how do we do it? Uh, you can find me at Victoria1867 on Twitter. Very good. I am on Twitter at James Marriott. Uh, the podcast on Twitter at TWWcast. If you want to get hold of us by any any possible way that you can think of the best way to do it is just go to our website thewednesdayweek.co.uk and you'll find links to all our different pages uh, and links to send us abusive emails as well Vic is a particular fan of getting abusive emails so uh, please um, go on there and well I am but you've still not set it up on my phone no you've got to remind me because I forget promising Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it on Saturday, I promise. If you're going to send Vic an abusive email, wait until after about half past 11 on Saturday. <laughs> we will have it We'll have it set up by then. Hopefully and like we'll Mr. Some... Chancery, I guaranteed to reply to every single one. <laughs> I am literally going to go around the pub getting people to email you there and then on, um, on Saturday now you realise that. Um, thank you for your company. Hopefully we'll have a few more of the guys uh, back with us uh, next week. Thank you to Evan uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, well, this afternoon in, in his world. Uh, it was a real pleasure to chat to, uh, to him and uh, we will speak to you next week.
it's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.